So we dare to faithful, we now begin our three-day mission in honor of Our Lady. First of all, to re-enkindle our devotion to the Blessed Mother of God, because that devotion is necessary for our salvation, but also as a reminder to the members of the Militia Immaculate of their membership, of their um, obligation to, to try to be devoted to Our Lady, and also to provide you an opportunity for those who are not members of the Militia Immaculate to become members on Thursday, uh, the Feast of the Holy Rosary, we will have an enrollment for those who wish to become members, and also we will have a renewal for those who are already mem- uh, members before we have the procession um, uh, outside in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary. So tonight, my dear faithful, I want to tell you a story. It is a rags-to-riches story. We all love these sorts of stories where someone goes from total insignificance to a place of prominence. It's the greatest rags-to-riches story in the history of the world. But in order to understand it, we have to firstly understand God's overarching plan for the universe. I don't know how much you thought about it, but when you look out over this vast universe in which we are just a mere speck on a planet in a, in a universe that extends billions of light years in, in all directions. What is it all for? What's the point of it all? Well, we as Catholics, we believe that, that God's plan is to put us on this earth for the purpose of making it to heaven. Really everything, absolutely everything in the universe is directed towards that purpose, getting us to heaven. The stars that you see in the sky, the constellation of Orion, for instance, you might see as you're getting up these mornings, looking up there, those, that's just a few stars in the constellation of Orion, so many stars. All of the wonders of the galaxies, the billions of galaxies, the stars, they are made to speak to you of God. God made them to speak to you of himself. All of the wonders that we see in the natural world on this earth, the plants, the animals, even the rocks, all of these things as well. Why are they there? Well, firstly, they are meant to speak to you of God. God doesn't just want to use these things. He wants to use not only irrational creatures to lead you to himself. He has also chosen to use rational creatures. First of all, the angels. Consider that the angels, these pure spirits, pure intelligences, God has directed them to assist you in your journey towards heaven. He's assigned for each one of you. As, as we remembered on Saturday with the Feast of the Guardian Angels, he's assigned to each one of you, an angel, to watch over you, to assist you, to help you reach your goal in this life. 
Besides that, of course, there's, there's human beings that God has asked to assist you. There's the, the priests, the popes, bishops, members of the hierarchy of the church, religious, monks, nuns. God wanted them to be involved in helping you get to heaven, uniting you with him. Lay people as well, your parents, family members, your friends, everything, absolutely everything in the universe that we inhabit is meant to be a means to assist you to reach your God-given goal, to unite with him, to make it to heaven. But if we ask ourselves, of all the things that God uses, of all the things that God has chosen to be an instrument in some capacity for your salvation, for your eternal happiness, what did he choose to be the greatest instrument of them all? What did he want of all the, the creatures that he could have chosen? Which one did he want to give the most power to lead you to heaven? This is such an important question for us to ask. Because if we find the right answer, we understand so much better who God is, how good he is. And we may say we understand better the mind of God. Of course, you know the answer. Who did he want to give the most power to assist you to get to heaven? He wanted an unknown, unknown woman in an obscure village. 2,000 years ago, he said, she's the one. I want her. She's the one. I want her to be the queen of heaven and earth. I'm going to make her the queen of heaven and earth. This lowly maiden, Mary, that's what I'm going to do. Of course, we know that Our Lady's elevation to the very top of creation. She is the greatest creature, even above the angels. Everything that I mentioned, she's above them all. Her elevation to the top of all creation started in the same way that we started. Where did you start? You started as nothing. I started as nothing. At one time, we did not exist. We were absolutely nothing. We, the only thing we had was non-being, which is nothing at all. Our Lady started out the same way, in a state of non-existence. St. Louis de Montfort is often accused of exaggerating about Our Lady. He says in his famous book, True Devotion to Mary, he says, I avow with all the church that Mary, being but a mere creature that has come from the hands of the Most High, is in comparison with his infinite majesty less than an atom, or rather she is nothing at all, because he only is he who is. Of herself, 
Our Lady is just a mere creature, just like us, who started in a state of non-existence. God had absolutely no need of a humble maiden in Nazareth to accomplish his plans. He doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need any of the instruments that I've talked about. But that being said, God did choose her out of all the angels and the humans that he's made to play the greatest role in accomplishing his plans. St. Louis says that he wanted her involved in the accomplishment of all of his greatest works by a purely free choice of God, totally, utterly free choice of God, I want that woman in Nazareth to be involved in all of my greatest works. She is going to be the primary instrument for the accomplishment of my greatest plans. That huge, overarching plan to which all the universe is directed, she is going to be the most important player in that, the more, of, of, of purely, of pure creatures. Of course, we're not speaking about our Lord, the God-man. Why did God do this? Why did God choose her? When he had so many options, what if you had that choice? What if you were thinking about, hmm, I, if you were an all-powerful being and you wanted to accomplish some great things, you were picking out your allies, your, your right-hand man or your right-hand woman, what, what kind of steps would you make in your decision-making process? Would you have made the same choice? Why did God choose Our Lady? Primarily because of a single characteristic of Our Lady. It's not her purity. It's not her faith was her humility. It was her humility that draw, drew God, as it were, to choose her. God was looking for the lowest, the humblest of his creatures, a woman who had nothing of herself, who had no desire to have power, glory, honor. He says, I found her. I'm going to give to her power over all creation. So it's like a law. For God, we discover through Our Lady there's a certain law. One law I've already mentioned, and this is God loves to use instruments. God loves to use secondary causes. He wants to use everything in the universe as a means to assist you to reach your goal. He wants to use everything. But there's another law that helps him refine his choice, and that is... He who exalts himself shall be humble, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. That's the other law. And that's the explanation for the choice of Our Lady. Because she was the humblest of his creatures, he elevates her to the highest, to the highest apex of all creation. Because this is what St. Louis points out, that her right to command is directly tied to her perfect humility, her perfect conformity to the will of God. She is queen of heaven and earth. He chose her to be queen of heaven and earth because she is the most humble. He says, I'm going to give to this woman 
quasi-omnipotence, a power that's the greatest that I will give to any of my creatures. So how did this happen? How did Our, our Lady go from being nothing whatsoever to being the greatest creature? Well, it didn't happen overnight. It happened by way of a certain progression that we have to trace. The progression goes like this. Our Lady starts off her life as being someone completely unknown. But because God gives her a role to play in history that is essential and is, touches the life of every single human being, he has her grow in renown and fame. And her, her manifestation grows over time and increases until you get to the, to the end of the world itself. And at the very end of the world, she manifests herself to the highest degree. This is the way it works. She starts off completely and utterly unknown. And as time goes on, as you go through the early ages of the church, you head to the Middle Ages, you head to the more modern age, to 2021, her fame, her renown increases. Her influence increases. Her influence over human being increases until you reach the end of the world where she becomes, as it were, the closer of human history. So when we start at the very beginning of her life, St. Saint Louis says that at the very beginning of his book that, that she wanted to be completely unknown. I don't know where he got this. I don't, I don't know where... We know that Our Lady appeared to him on several occasions. I don't think he's making it up. I, I don't think that he would do that. So maybe she told him that this is the way it was. But this is what he says. Mary's humility was so profound that she had no inclination on earth more powerful or more constant than that of hiding herself from herself as well as from every other creature, so as to be known by God only. He heard her prayers when she begged to be hidden, to be humbled, to be treated as in all respects poor and of no account. He took pleasure in hiding her from all human creatures in her conception, in her birth, in her life, in her mysteries, and in her resurrection and assumption. He says she prayed to be unknown. She begged God, please, make it happen that I am unknown in my life. He says, God granted her request. All three persons of the Blessed Trinity said yes to this request of Our Lady. God the Father, he says, consented that she should work no miracle, at least no public one, during her life. Although he had given her the power to do so, God the Son consented that she should hardly ever speak, though he had communicated his wisdom to her. God the Holy Ghost, though she was his faithful spouse, consented that his apostles and evangelists should speak very little of her, and no more than was necessary to make Jesus Christ known. 
So you have walking on the streets, the mother of God, the future queen of heaven and earth. And nobody knew. Nobody realized it. Because God was answering her prayer to be unknown during her life. But on one condition, and that was that after she died, rose from the dead, zoomed into heaven, took her position as queen of heaven and earth, her renown, her fame, her influence would increase progressively over the history of mankind until the very end of the world. So when Our Lady finishes her course in this life, united with our Lord in all of her sorrows, perfectly conformed to the will of God, she dies, she goes to heaven, she takes on this role of queen of heaven and earth. When God gives her that role, what power does he give her? How does he enable her to accomplish her mission? First of all, he gives Our Lady a certain power over himself. Our Lady has a certain power over God himself because of the fact that God is her very son. Our Lord willed to take on a human nature and willed to live a life like we live. He willed to have a mother. And no son is ever not the son of his mother, even after he becomes an adult, even after this life. In in heaven, you can think about, I mean, God willing, mothers will be together with their sons and daughters in heaven. Will there be a certain respect owed to mothers on the part of sons and daughters in heaven? Well, why not? I mean, it's not like after this life they stop being the mother of their sons and daughters. The same is true of our Lord. He didn't stop being the son of his mother in heaven. So she's just as able to ask our Lord things as she did at the wedding feast of Cana today in heaven. And our Lord is just as ready to obey her, to listen to her request, to answer them today in heaven. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you want something from God, all you have to do seems a lot easier task is to convince Our Lady to give it to you, to convince Our Lady to ask God for it. Please, dear Mother, please present my petition to God because I know that whatever you ask Him, because you are His Mother, He will grant it to you. As Our Lady has certain power over God, then, then of course, if that, it would only make sense that she also have power over God's creatures. And the reason is the same. St. Louis says, in the heavens, Mary commands the angels and the blessed. She is queen of heaven. She reigns in heaven. She commands, he says, the angels and the saints. She tells them what to do. She gives them direction as a recompense 
for her profound humility. And God has given her, as, as the queen of, of heaven, you know, we can think about a mother of, of a household, you know, when a mother is, is, is the queen of her home. She's in charge of, of managing her house, of, of making her house a, a nice place to live for, for her husband and children, a, a pleasant place, a charming place. This is the role of, of Our Lady in heaven. She's the queen of heaven. St. Louis says that, that God has, there's, there's something in heaven that we, we would not say diminishes the joy of heaven, but it makes for there's something to be lacking. Heaven is missing something. It's missing all those angels that fell when, when Lucifer dragged perhaps one-third of the angels down to hell. It left places vacant in heaven. It's Our Lady's job to fill those empty spots in heaven, to fill up heaven. Heaven is not full. It needs to be filled. Who's going to fill it? Our Lady. She's been given that job because heaven is her home. She is the queen of that home. You can think about what a wonderful role this is for Our Lady to populate heaven. You know how good mothers here below, they have such a love of, of life. They want to bring forth children. They want to be cooperators with God in bringing forth new life and bringing that life to eternal life. They want to populate heaven. But Our Lady is given the universal role populating heaven. She is the mother of all the living. As opposed to the old Eve, she is the new Eve. As opposed to the old Eve. Think about what the old Eve did. By her sin. She was supposed to be the one who would populate, the old Eve was supposed to be the one who would populate heaven. But instead she populated hell. She caused the death of so many souls. She filled up the empty seats in hell, not in heaven. There are empty seats in hell as well. You know, St. Teresa of Avalos, feast day we, we celebrate on the 15th of this month, saw her place in hell, the place that was waiting for her to occupy. There are empty spots in hell. And if they're filled, it's because of the sins of Adam and Eve, fall of the human race. Whereas Our Lady is a lover of life and she would scatter life everywhere if she could. She is going to give eternal life to so many by the end of the world until those seats, all those seats are filled. She has the job of putting you in one of the seats of heaven. She has a seat ready for you she wants to put you there because she loves your life. Just think about the perspective of God, how God, how it must, if we can speak in this way, 
It must delight God to give her this role. How deserving she is of this role to give to his humble daughter, our lady, all this power to accomplish what she desires so much to do, to communicate eternal life to as many souls as possible. Then, of course, Our Lady also has a great power, a very great power over our great enemy, the one who defeated Eve, the devil. God has assigned her to conquer him. In his wisdom, in his wisdom, God did not want to conquer him, as it were, directly, but he wanted Our Lady to be the primary instrument for the conquering of the devil. Think about how appropriate this is. Think about all the evil in the world that's going on in the world right now. What is it coming from? It's coming from the pride of man. It's coming from human beings wanting to set aside God's plan, God's will, and direct themselves to make themselves gods, where they get to decide good and evil, instead of submitting themselves to the will of God. Who had the greatest pride of any creature? It was Lucifer, the greatest angel of God. The original creature, you may say, who was the highest. And Lucifer said, I will not serve. I will not serve God. I will be my own God. I will find my happiness in myself, not in God, not in following his will, but in pursuing my own selfish desires. And after that, of course, Lucifer began that work of just spreading pride everywhere, tempting as many people as possible to pride, starting with our first parents, to whom he said, no, you won't die the death if you eat of the tree. You will be like God. You will be like God if you eat the apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He tempted Adam and Eve into the sin of pride. They gave in. He told them the same lie. He had, he had told himself that they could be like God. Since then, all of the sins of mankind, all those who have lost their souls, have lost it through the sin of pride. And what's the best way to punish the devil? What's the very best way, do you think, of giving the devil what he deserves for his pride and for leading so many other people into the sin of pride? The very best solution, the, very, the most appropriate punishment is to have him defeated by a girl. This is... The, the wisdom, of, the solution that God comes up with. I will assign a humble maiden of Nazareth to step on the headquarters of his pride, his head, and defeat him by her humility. I will place enmities between thee and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he says to the devil. I will place enmities between thee and... Who? The woman. The woman. He doesn't say me. He says the woman. She. 
is going to crush your head. This is so very appropriate for Satan in his pride to be defeated by a woman. He hates it. He absolutely hates it. St. Louis says, Satan being proud suffers infinitely more from being beaten and punished by a little and humble handmaid of God than if God himself had defeated her. By the fact that Our Lady is put in opposition to the devil, she is the primary creature who faces off against all evil whatsoever. That's why it's so necessary for us to be on her side. Because God has not just given her power over the angels, over the saints, over God himself, over the devil, but he's given her power over you as well. He's assigned a certain power to her to influence you for the good, to precisely give you one of those spots in heaven. The reason is very clear. If God wants to use Our Lady in order to accomplish his purposes, his great plans, how can you not make use of Our Lady? If God somehow needs Our Lady by his own will, how are you not going to need Our Lady? It's impossible. It's impossible. And especially if you not just want to make it to heaven and occupy that seat, but you want to become holy, you want to become a saint, then the one who formed our Lord Jesus Christ in her womb is going to be necessary for you to make it to saint, saintliness. So Our Lady has this great power to exercise her influence over us isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we must want through, through this mission for her to exercise her power over us? And as I say, to really have this great confidence that God ha- wills that her influence increase over time until we get to the present day when, if, if, if that's the case, if that's the pattern, it's increasing, then we have to say at the present day, it's the most it's ever been. And it's going to keep growing as time goes on, if this is indeed the case. I mentioned that Our Lady was so humble during her life. She wanted to be completely hidden and unknown. But God said, you can have a hidden life during your life, but afterwards you have to have a public life. Just like my son had a public life wherein he preached and he worked miracles and he converted souls, so too you're going to have to have a public life. I will, I will allow you to not do any of those things during your life, but you're going to do them after your life. And this is what Our Lady has been doing over the centuries. She's been leading, as it were, her public life and intervening more and more into human history where she appears to certain people. She speaks to them. She preaches to them. She talks to them about God. She talks to them about the salvation of their souls. 
She talks to them especially about three things. If you look at all of her apparitions, the message, there's a common thread that runs through all the messages. Prayer, penance, and reparation. Reparation for sin. She's always exhorting people to pray. She's always exhorting them to do penances. And she's always exhorting them to make up for sin, to do the work of reparation, to take away the sins of the world in some capacity. St. Louis says that when the end of the world comes, Our Lady is somehow, in some mysterious way, going to be the closer of human history. Um, That because the salvation of the world began with Mary, it's also going to be completed with her. She's, She's at the very beginning. She's at the middle. She's also going to be at the end. And that because she has been assigned to be the great enemy of the devil, and the devil will have the most power, at the end of the world, she's going to be needed to face off against the devil when we come to the end of the world. Somehow, in some mysterious way. He doesn't go into details. I don't know where, I don't know where it came from, but he's a saint, and we should respect what he says. We can see how much this age should legitimately be called an age of Mary. We can see that what what St. Louis is predicting in the early 1700s has come to pass. Our Lady has exercised over the past 300 years a greater and greater influence over human affairs. The great Marian movements of the 20th century, such as the Militia Immaculati, such as the Blue Army in the United States, such as the Legion of Mary, converting so many souls and had this language of militarism, combat against Freemasons, against the devil. These movements accomplished so much good, incredible stories around the world, people enlisting themselves in the army of Our Lady and converting souls through their involvement in these groups. We know that the church magisterium has paid more and more attention to Our Lady as time has gone on. Um, again, in the past 200 years, all the rosary encyclicals of Leo XIII, the definition of the Immaculate Conception by Pius IX, the definition of the Assumption by Pius XII, the greater realization of the role that Our Lady plays in our salvation, the sort of working out and refinement of the doctrines of Our Lady as Mediatrix of all graces, Our Lady as the Co-Redemptrix, All of these things are recent developments and show that it is true that God wants her to have a greater and greater influence as time goes on and for us to understand to a greater degree the plans that God has for his daughter, for his mother. So the intercession of Our Lady has never been so efficacious as it is today. And if God is allowing this really terrible and sad crisis in the church, 
one of the reasons is to provide this opportunity to manifest the power of Our Lady, because it will be resolved through her. And we all hope for the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart. But Sister Lucy herself said that the reason it hasn't happened, at least in her time, because God is waiting to manifest that the restoration of the world is through Our Lady. She says, I asked our Lord why he will not convert Russia until his holiness does this consecration. Because, our Lord said, I want my entire church to recognize this consecration as a triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. When God willing, the church is restored. When God willing, the world is restored to some degree. Christendom is restored to some degree. Everybody will know that it is through Our Lady. So, my dear faithful, we must have this conviction that Our Lady has been given a unique role in the history of the world, that she has more power than any other creature for the accomplishment of the great plan of God, which is to lead as many humans as possible to heaven. And as a result, we must have recourse to her. We must pray to her. We must place ourselves in a state of total dependence upon her and live that as much as possible. Tomorrow I will speak to you about some of her weapons.